Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. I'll, I'll correct Becky. It's 35 years, darling. 35. I was driving over here today. I was thinking about that. Becky, remember that picture of Bert and me at the uh, Copeland Convention in 83? A pro golfer and a pro motorcycle racer. We were slim. We were mean and lean. <laughs> and now you know how things go on. And uh, Becky remembers that when Bert was mean and lean. <laughs> I was too at one time. You know, people ask me about it. I say, you know, one time I was young and mean. Now I'm old and nice. So, And um, no, I, I was really, I, I'm, I'm really blessed to, to be here. And God put Bert and Becky in my life years ago. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a journey. It's been a wonderful journey. And just to stand before the flock that God has entrusted to Bert and Pastor Becky is, is a real honor for me. It really is. And uh, Bert's meant a lot to my life. And I'm going to go through some things today, and I'm going to kind of <clears throat> talk a little bit about where I was a little bit. And Bert's really been a blessing to me over the last 10 years, especially. We've really gotten back together, and our fellowship has been wonderful. And... Um, so it's great. If you want to know anything more about me, you can go to stevewise.com, and you can find all kinds of stuff about me. I've got old racing videos in there. When I used to be a good rate motorcycle racer, now I don't ride anymore. I'd rather fly airplanes and play golf. But anyway, so um, stevewise.com has some stuff on there. And, and I do travel and preach. I've been fortunate to speak at Cowboy Stadium to the pro riders and to been all over the world, different racetracks and different churches here and there. But you know what? It's a blessing to be here, and I call this my home church. This is my home church. When I'm in town, and I've said this before, uh, whenever I've been able to be in this pulpit here, that I love coming here to church. And when I'm not speaking somewhere, and I'm in town, guess where I'm at? Right here if it's service. Right here. I'll never forget, Becky. I'll never forget. Show us the Father. She preached a sermon Wednesday night. Show us the Father. And I will never forget that sermon. You know, there's certain messages that just really stick to you that one is just right there it's just right there and uh jesus christ is the face of god the father when we look at his face when we look at his face that's the heart of god and sometimes as a young christian and i mean this is a wonderful book it's uh, the the living it's the logos we are the living word this is the written word but it becomes alive it can become rhema but there's a lot of things in this book I think, God, I don't really understand that. But you know what I've really learned over my years? Everything I read in this book has to become, has to be sifted through the cross. Has to be sifted through the cross of Jesus Christ. And every time I read something that maybe I don't really understand, especially in the Old Testament, I go back and say, okay, how does that line up with who Jesus is and the character that he represents to us? Because my brother, my sister... He is God in the flesh, and he's our face when we look at him in the face of Jesus Christ, the face of God. And it's been a real journey to finally get that over the years, because as a young Christian, I was so hungry, and I wanted to know God so bad. And I would listen to this teacher, and listen to that teacher, and listen to this teacher, and listen to that teacher. And man, I kind of got bouncing all over the place, and, and uh, you know, kind of like a basketball, I felt like sometimes. But I'm going to tell you, if it's not focused on the love of God, on the faith of God, and on the hope, what did Paul say? Faith, hope, and love. Amen? If it's not focused on that, we're going to get off track. 
and we're going to get under the law many times and get under certain teachings that don't profit us. Peter talked about listen to people that preach grace of God that will profit you. But when we're under teachings that don't profit us, it makes it hard. It makes it tough. And I thank God for this church. I mean, I've been around to many churches. I've been all over the world. I've been to many churches. But I thank God for this church. And I love coming here. And I count this church as awesome. Before I get going, um, is there anybody here from my Facebook that I emailed out on my website? Nobody? Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> but um, anyway, hallelujah. Well, I would call the title of this message the process, the process, because as I said earlier, we go through a process, but it all starts right here in John chapter 1, where John is writing, and he says, Jesus came into his own, and his own did not receive him, verse 11, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe upon his name. Amen. Wasn't that awesome, the worship team? That, that worship team is awesome. I mean, it, did you feel the presence of God? Yeah. I mean, this is way better than Bedside Baptist, you know what I mean? <laughs> Bedside Baptist doesn't even compare to this. It's so easy sometimes to lay in bed, well, you know, I'm not going to go to church today. I'll tell you what, when we miss the house of God, we miss a lot. Yeah. Because when we come here, the scripture says... When we join together and we fellowship with one another, we're being continually cleansed of our sins. You know, we're being cleansed right now. We're being cleansed right now. We're cleansed as the precious team was, and I'll tell you, the power of God, I didn't even want to preach. I just wanted to keep praising God. It was so awesome. They're fantastic. But it says right here that to those who receive him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. And I'm sure most of you all in here have received him, have made him your Savior and your Lord. If you haven't, today's your day. Today's your day. And that word receive, it's a big word. It also means to take. It means to marry. To marry. Now, how do we get married to Christ? Well, kind of take the natural world. In the natural world, what do we do? We say vows. We marry him. We take him by speaking out, Jesus, become my Savior. I call upon the name of the Lord. I call upon your name. We have to speak it out. I speak, I go to racetracks a lot, and, and I talk to unbelievers, and they say to me, yeah, you know, I've got my own religion. You know, me and God, we're, we're, we're fine. We're fine. Yeah, I said, well, do you confess Jesus as Lord? Well, you know, I, I've got my own religion. I'm more fine. No, I'm, I'm sorry, my friend. That didn't work. The word of God clearly says it's in our heart and in our mouth. Our salvation is in our heart and in our mouth. Our words are everything. Everything is our, in our words. And that word received there, to take him, to marry him. And then we can know that we know that we know that we know that we're secure, that we have the right. Unless we take him, unless we marry him, unless we confess him, unless we worship him, really, truly, we don't have the right. 
but he gave us the right when we ask him. It's so simple. It's not by works that we're saved. We know that. It's by calling upon the name of Jesus that we're not only saved, but the provisions that Pastor Becky was speaking about, it's all part of calling upon him, trusting in him, and looking to him. And it's amazing. The world tries to come in at times, no doubt. And that's when we have to remember, you know what, I'm in love, and I'm not going to forsake my love because he loves us way more than we love him. The scripture says he loved us first, amen? So it says right here, we receive him. He gave us the right to become children of God to those who believe upon his name. In Acts it says there's no other name, no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. So as Pastor Becky was saying, the world is in confusion and all that's going on. It's so simple though, my friend. It's one name, one name. Jesus, I give my life to you. I call upon you. And he promised, he says, to those who come to me, I will in no wise cast them out. What a blessing. I mean, we can know that we know when we come to him, we will never be cast out, no matter what's happened in our life. But what is God wanting to do? We become a child. We become a believer. Okay, so then now what? Now what? Well, that's why we're here today. That's why you come to the church. That's why we gather together around the body, in the body of Christ. That's why we come into this house. Because we want to grow up into God. Amen? And sometimes that is challenging. <laughs> Y'all ever found that out yet? You know, sometimes life's hard. Sometimes life's hard. It's just the facts. But God is good. But God is good. In the middle of the challenges and the struggles, God is good. God is good. And so in, in Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to have about five scriptures today, but in Hebrews 6, we're children, but we want to grow. We want to grow. And as we look at the natural sphere of education or so forth, you have elementary, junior high, high school, college, whatever, we're all on different levels. I mean, I like to think I'm a college graduate, you know, but <laughs> just kidding. I don't, I'm really kidding. I thought I was a while back, and then I went back to first grade <laughs> about 10 years ago. But uh, it's all a process of coming into this incredible eternal life, coming into this abundant life, this Zoe life, this Zoe life that God gives us when we call upon the name of Jesus. We're cleansed of our sin. We're made holy, blameless, as we sung earlier. But then he says, Paul is writing here in Hebrews, he goes, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Perfection. Thank God that word means mature. It's not, my friend, I, I'm telling you, we're not going to be perfect in this world until we see Jesus. When we see him, we're going to be like him. We're going to have an immortal body. Until then, we're going to be dealing with our flesh, and we're going to be walking through things. And, and at times, we might stumble, but we're not going to fall. Glory to God. Amen? We might stumble. We might stump our toe, but we're not going to fall. You know why? Because he is the author and 
the finisher of our faith. I mean, I've been going through some serious challenges at times in my life, and I think, God, what in the world's going on? And it were, he would remind me, I'm the finisher of your faith, too. I didn't just bring you in this. It said, that it's, it, the, in John chapter 1, verse 12, 13 there, it talks about, we're born again not by the will of man, but by the will of God. God's the one that brought us into this kingdom, amen? He's the one that pulled us. He's the one that drew us. Jesus even said that no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. You know what, my friend, my brother, my sister? We are so blessed. You and I have been drawn into this eternal life, into this Zoe eternal life. We've been drawn by the Spirit of God. How awesome is that? This is a big old world. I mean, a big old world, what, there's seven billion people? I mean, and you and me have been drawn into this life everlasting. Sometimes I sit, just sit there and go, God, why me? Because I was a sinner. I could sin with the best of them, I promise you. And I just, I'm just so humbled at times. And then I see where, what the Lord's done and what he's brought me through at times. And I go, wow. But we want to go on to perfection. We want to go on to maturity. I believe James talks about the mature person what does they do? What do they do? They control their tongue and they bridle the flesh. They can bridle the flesh because they control their tongue. Isn't that amazing? Our maturity is evident by listening to ourselves, by listening to others. We're not called to judge them, but we're called to pray for them and, and lovingly try to woo them in to walking with God. You know, as Christians, a lot of times we stop. A lot of times we stop the process. And we, we just say, well, you know what, I'm kind of tired. I, I don't feel like doing this and doing that. I'm telling you what, my friend, it's not worth it to stop. It's not worth it to stop. We want to go on to perfection. We want to go on to maturity. We want to go on to those, to be those that God can use in this world. Amen? Because it's our job to be a light, to be an epistle unto the world, to bring them into this life. And you know, I was a professional racer and I've got a bunch of trophies and all that. I want a few trophies in heaven, you know? You know what I mean? I wanted some trophies. I want some trophies. And basically, the people that we win unto God, they're going to be our trophies. They're going to be our reward. And we're going to throw our crowns at Jesus' feet, but the people that we bring in, the people that we've discipled, the people that we've given our life for, those are going to be our trophies, and I want some of those. I want some of those. You know, G Jesus said in uh, Luke 6, he said, if we're perfectly trained, we become just like our master. Ooh. See, that's where we're heading. We're headed into being just like our Savior. We're headed to be just like Jesus. Amen? A lot of people have a trouble with that. A lot of people struggle with that. But that's where we're heading. That's where our life should be going. And when we look back on a few years or a year, we ought to see a growth in our life. We ought to see a change. I'm so thankful. I can look back just a year ago. I, I can see a lot of changes. I'm going, God, thank you. Thank you, Father. Because, Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. I want to be used by you. I want to be more like you. That's my heart cry. 
and I know that's yours as well. And you know, it's amazing. You go on down to Hebrews, in verse 5 it, said, it says, the mature ones, they tasted the good word of, the God, good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Whoa. You know, this is why I love this, about this church. I love Bert, Bert and Becky. We're not just sitting still. And we're believing for the powers of the age to come in our lives. I mean, we're believing for that. There's a lot of good preaching. There's a lot of good churches, and thank God for all of them. But you know what I want? I want, I want that right there. I want to see people getting out of wheelchairs. I want to see more miracles. I want to see things happen. I want to see the power of God in my life. And I know you do too. And that's called the process of growing up and becoming mature and guarding our tongue, guarding our life, guarding our mind, being mature children of God. We're always going to be a child just like we have children, but it's part of growing up and becoming mature. Because when my children were young, I have one son that loves to hunt. When he was five years old, do you think I got him a 12 gauge? No. I got him a pop gun. <laughs> and then a BB gun. And then a pellet gun. And then a 410. And then a 20. Now he can buy whatever he wants to buy. But anyway. I mean, and God is not going to entrust you or me with that unless we're mature. Unless we guard our heart and our mind. Because that's where God is wanting to take the church. That's where he wants to take us. I thank God for the good word. It says right here, the good word of God. I think, and you get good word here, by the way, you know that. I thank God for the good word. But man, I want the powers of the age to come. I want the powers of the age to come. And you know, I've, I've, been, I've, I've been in that a little bit. I had a meeting in, in a, a racetrack two years ago. And we were in a big tent. And uh, it was terrible weather. And uh, I, I was preaching, and the wind started blowing, and this big tent started shaking like this. And I'm looking at this thing, and, you know, we had about, there was about 50 people in the tent. And this tent's shaking. It's a big one. It, I mean, it hurts you if it, fell down, if it fell down, you know. And I just stopped the service, and I said, Father, we want to finish the service. Stop the wind, Lord. Stop the wind. I wish I would have said, in the name of Jesus, wind, stop. <laughs> but I was a lot more, God, uh, Lord, I'm praying you stop the wind. Please, Lord. It stopped. It stopped. And everybody was looking look at me like this, and I was going like this. And one lady said, well, preacher, what's wrong? You prayed. <laughs> An older lady in the front row. And I thought, yeah, God, we need, to, we need to believe you for that. Do you know what? We left that meeting. Within one hour, that tent was blown down. One hour after we left, and they sent me all these photos of it and everything, and it went around the racing world, what had happened. And for, for a while, it was, and it was pretty awesome. And, and, uh, and I say, God, I want more of that in a greater way, in a greater degree. Well, the Apostle Paul had some of that happen to him in Acts 16, and we're talking about the process. Acts 16, verse 
In the book of Acts 16, we have, many of y'all know the Macedonian call when Paul was called to go to Macedonia to preach the gospel. And he goes there, and him and Silas go to Macedonia, and they're out there preaching the gospel in the streets and all over the place. And there was a lady, a fortune teller lady, that was causing them trouble and saying, these are the servants of the Most High God. She kept saying, these are the servants of the Most High God and, and disrupting the meeting. And even though she was saying some truth, she was disrupting the meeting. You know, that can happen too. At times, we might think we have some truth, but we, don't want, to, we want to follow the Spirit of God. And she wasn't led by the Spirit of God. And so Paul, frustrated, it says he was in distress. He turned and he said, in the name of Jesus, you come out of her, devil. You come out of her. Scripture says she was delivered. So I take it, it doesn't say it, but I take it she got saved and gave her heart to the Lord. But it made her masters really upset because now their money is gone. This woman was giving fortune telling for money. And so now the masters, her, the people that were helping her go out there, all of a sudden they got mad. And Paul's going out there boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. Well, what happened? Well, the Bible says that he was thrown in jail. Him and Silas were thrown in jail and because they were preaching the gospel. It, it amazes me. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. And I, I know God's opened our eyes and we understand the goodness of God. But when you're bringing a message to the Bible, it, it causes the gospel. The gospel means good news. It amazes me that people don't want to hear it sometimes. They don't want to hear it. I mean, I've been slapped. I've had a chain ripped off my, my neck. I've been cussed at. I've had people at the racetracks. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to brag, but in the racing world, I'm in the Hall of Fame and all that. And so that's why I get to go in there. And so, you know, I think, well, I've got a lot of respect in here. You know what? I have to guard myself because I tell you what, the devil don't respect nobody if you're not careful. He don't respect nobody if you're not careful. And I've walked into situations before thinking, yeah, you know, I'm Steve Wise, yeah, I'm, I'm the Hall of Fame, all that, and, and walk into the racetrack, and all of a sudden, I, somebody come up, you know, I can't stand what you're doing. I don't like what you're doing. I'm going, oh, okay, okay. And then I have to back up. You know, it doesn't matter who I am in the flesh. It doesn't matter who any of us are in the flesh. It matters who we are in God. It matters who's in us. And who's in us? The greater one's in us, amen? The greater one's in us. Glory to God. But what did Paul and Silas do here? Part of the process right here. They started praising God. In the middle of prison. They started praising God. The Bible says they were singing hymns and praying, worshiping God, praising God. There in verse 25. Verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were all listening to them. You know, people are watching our lives. People are watching us. I thank God now because I fell hard a couple of times some years ago. But people are watching us. I'm so thankful. I talked to my son for over an hour yesterday. And he said, Dad, you are so different than you used to be. I went, thank God. <laughs> Woo! Lord, I'm going to thank you because I tell you what, it sure wasn't me. And people are watching us. And those prisoners are watching them, praise God. And then it says in verse 26, Suddenly! Suddenly, I heard Pastor Burt preach a great message on that some years ago at a camp meeting. Suddenly, 
Of course, it says there was an earthquake and the foundation shook and all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. You know what? When you and me, when we worship God and stand in the middle of a trial and say, Lord, we're going to praise you. We don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. We're going to praise you. People are watching us. And you know what? We can bring deliverance to other people. We bring deliverance to other people. Suddenly, suddenly something happened. Well, we don't know when that's going to happen. That's in God's timing. We don't know when suddenly it's going to happen. But what we do know is we need to be praising him and worshiping him and honoring him no matter what's going on in our life. Come hell or high water, I'm going to serve Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? We need to believe that. We need to do that. We need to honor that God in that because you know what? There's no telling what's going to happen when we do that. So they were praising God here and doing all these things. We actually, we actually determine destinies of certain people's lives by our actions. And when I realized that some years ago, it shook me because I thought, oh my God, look what I did to my kids. Had a lot of money, everything's going great, everything's going good. And I was coming to church, and I was still praising the Lord, but in my heart, I really wasn't there. And my mouth was out of control about 10 years ago. Out of control. Oh, I was a man of God, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I didn't have a good, ma- good words coming out of my mouth a lot of times. I could criticize, well, I could, I could criticize a lot of people. I know none of y'all have ever done that. But anyway, I, I, I could really criticize somebody real good. God had to show me, you know what? Don't touch my anointed. Yes. And there's a lot of people today that say, well, you know, I don't need church. I don't need church. Just go on YouTube. They're all over the place. Oh, I don't need church. And I've watched some of these guys, and I think, you know what? <laughs> Sir, I have, to, I have to disagree with you. People that get away from the body of Christ, especially a good church like this one, it doesn't normally go well with them as they are out there in that big old world. It really doesn't. I know sometimes the enemy tries to battle us from getting involved and staying involved and, and, and being coming to church all the time. But I'm going to tell you something, my friend. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. You know what? We better get used to it. That's what we're going to do in heaven. <laughs> and I'm going to want to. And those thoughts that try to come to us, telling us, you know, we don't need to do this, we don't need to do that, you know, being part of the body and allowing God to use us for his glory. What do you think those thoughts come from? You know where they come from. We need to stay together. I said this at the, at the we're first conference, but we're like coals. We're like coals. You can't light coals when they're all spread out flat on the grill. You've got to put them together, pile them up, pour the fire on them, pour the juice on them, the, 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 the gas, not gas, but the uh, lighter fluid, which is the word of God. You pour that lighter fluid on them, light them up, get them on fire, get them nice and hot, burning, and then spread them out. Amen? And that's what we're supposed to do as the body of Christ. We come in here, we get fired back up, and go back out to that world and touch others' lives for the name of Jesus. So you might say to me, Brother Steve, Paul and Silas, they were praising God, they were worshiping God, and 
that happened, and you know they had the suddenlies, but they were they were honoring God. They did everything right. I mean, they did everything right. We'll go to Acts twenty-seven. Acts twenty-seven. Now here, the Apostle Paul was in jail again. <laughs> Paul's in jail all the time. I tell you what, <laughs> I've been in jail once. I got went to jail once, and the wild thing was. I um, moved to Dallas, and I was going out to teach. I, I started a business uh, teaching people how to race, and I was late, and I'm hauling to the track in Dallas, and uh, I got pulled over. And the lady said, uh, you know, they radioed in and all that, and then they came into my, my car, and I got out. She goes, turn around, please. Put handcuffs on me. I'm going, what's going on? She said, you have a warrant you haven't paid for 10 years. I got a ticket 10 years ago in Dallas, didn't forgot about it, and there was a warrant for my arrest the whole time. So I, I went to jail. And we were in the jail there, and I remember the scripture. I wish I could say, I was going, praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord. <laughs> I was going, praise you, Lord, praise you. <laughs> I was praising God, but I wasn't as bold as I wish I had. The devil better not tempt me now, tell you what. We go in there now, it's going to be a different story, glory to God. Hallelujah, Lord, I praise your name. I worship your name. I honor you, God. That's what it'll be now, my friend. Back then it wasn't. But now Paul's in jail again, and he's with a bunch of prisoners, a bunch of people that did a bunch of bad stuff. I mean, terrible people. You know, prison's got bad people in there. And now they get on a ship and they're going to travel to Rome and they have all kinds of problems, weather problems, trouble. Before they went on their last portion of their journey, Paul said, I perceive that this, is, this voyage is not going to go well. I perceive we're going to have trouble. I perceive it's going to be a disaster. And many lives could be lost. So Paul told the, the helmsman and the owner of the ship that. But because of money, he wanted to go to Rome and to deliver the prisoners so he could get paid, which I understand. They decided to go on and continue their voyage. Well, you know the story. The weather beat them up real good. And having all kinds of trouble and challenges. And Paul says something here that uh, in verse 21 now, after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood up in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have done this, and you would not have occurred this disaster. How many times have we heard that before? You should have listened to me. I told you to listen to me. And then we tell ourselves that sometimes. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I think, why in the world did I do that? Anybody ever done that before? I mean, why did I do that? And then, of course, I've got somebody in my family that really lets me know if I make a mistake. <laughs> but you know what's beautiful about Paul? Even though he said, you should have listened to me, and I'm sure he didn't do it out of spite or anger or harshly. In verse 22, And now I urge you, take heart, for there will be no loss among you, but only the ship. He said, you should have listened to me, but you know what? Take heart. He's talking to prisoners, people that have done terrible things. 
And you know what? No matter where we go in life, what we go through, what, what happens for, uh, to us, we need to take heart. Take heart. When we fall, we get back up, dust ourselves off, and go on. Amen? When we make a mistake, when we do something we shouldn't have done, we get up and we go back. You know, I, I can't believe I did that. I better not go to church today. No, you better go to church. You better go to church. Because we get cleansed here. We get cleansed here. And you know the story. Paul had a great, profitable ministry in the island of Malta. When they shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And many miracles, signs and wonders happened. You know, sometimes the process of growing and learning, we come through challenges. We come through troubles. And God is with us every step of the way. Even though Paul warned them, God was still there with them. We could be warned not to go somewhere. It amazes me that in Paul's life, they told him, don't go to Jerusalem, I believe in Acts chapter 20. Don't go to Jerusalem because you're going to die there. He said, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to go anyway. And he said, the Holy Spirit said, don't go. But he went anyway because he wanted to go to preach the gospel. Isn't that amazing? He was determined to share the good news of Jesus Christ to, to people. I know I go to the racetracks, and sometimes I drive in, and I'm going, oh, my God, Lord, you sure need, you want me here? But I, I go anyway, because that's why I know God wants me at times. And I, I want to encourage you, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what's going on in your life, whether you have family, whether you have friends that, that don't like what you say or don't like who you are at times, just be that. Love them. And be ready. Be ready to share the gospel, the message of salvation, the message of to receive him. I'm receiving him. I'm going to marry him. Be ready to share that with people. Be ready to tell them, you know what? God loves you. He's already forgiven you of your sins. He's already forgiven you of your sins. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's our job. That's our job. I'm going to go one more passage. This is one of my favorite stories. Luke 15. You all know the story, don't you? About the prodigal son. The prodigal son. That is my favorite story. Because you know what? I know all about that. I know all about that. Isn't it amazing? You have this father. Has an estate. The farms. The animals. Everything there. And the two sons are there. And. They had everything they would ever want. They had all their needs met. And the one son, as you know, I'm sure, says, Father, I want my inheritance, and, and I want to go out and do my own thing. I want to start my own business. I want to be my own man. I want to do what I want to do. And you know, we don't have to be rich in the physical world to do this at times in our heart. Amen? Many times in our heart, we might say, you know what? I'm going to watch this on the computer. I'm going to watch that on the computer. You all know what I mean? You know what I mean, okay? The enemy's out there to try to throw everything he can in front of us to see if we're going to take the bait. And that's where we have to say, no, I'm a child of the king, and I am not going to go down on that low road. I'm not going to go down there on that road that's muddy and has holes in it, and my journey is not going to be easy. 
even when we're going through trials and tribulations and troubles at times in life, when, we're, when our focus is on Jesus, I'm going to tell you what, it's smooth. You know that and I know that. It's still smooth. The road is still smooth. There's joy and there's peace. Even through the challenges. But the minute we allow the enemy to detour us and our heart begins wavering when we want to do our own thing, when we want to do what the world is offering, we're basically doing the same thing that this precious young man did here. And I know all about that. I was walking with God strong, where I thought strong, under the law a lot. But you know, it's amazing. When we walk under the law, there's a strength of sin. Sin pulls us away. When we're not full of the grace and the love of God, tell you what, it's, it's a challenge. It's going to be a challenge. So this young man goes and goes out and squanders all of his goods. The Bible says he lived riotous living, wasteful, wasted his money. We can waste our soul. We can waste our heart. We can waste our time on things that are not productive. Things that are not productive in producing that character of Jesus Christ. You know, I said that we're going on in the process of becoming more and more more into the image of Christ. And I know that has to do with holiness and sanctification, absolutely. But I want you to know and remember, I know you know this already, but we're already as righteous as we'll ever be. We're already as righteous as we'll ever, as we'll ever be when we've received Jesus as Lord. But there's a process of sanctification and holiness in learning and understanding and love. Growing in love. What does love do? It casts out all fear. I mean, there's a process of growing in the things of God. And so this son goes off to do his own thing. And when he finds himself in the pig slop, and he said, the scripture says, he even would eat the pig food if they had given it to him. The Bible says, and he came to himself. He came to himself. And thinking, you know what? My, the servants at my father's house have it better than me. Not only do they have plenty of food, they have an abundance. So, self, I'm going to go back to my father's house and say, Father, I just want to be a servant. I don't want to be anything more, God. Just, Father, just let me be a servant. That's for the thoughts that he had. And I can imagine, as he's walking back to the father's estate, he's hearing the words of Paul, you should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. I can imagine walking back with his head down, knowing he's squandered everything, knowing he's blown it, or thinking he's blown it in his own mind, thinking he's really messed it up. I've wrecked my life. He's walking back. And the father is looking for him. The father's looking. And one day, the father sees him. And the scripture says, the father ran to him, fell on his neck, and kissed him. Kissed him. And when, in, the, in the original language, it says, he continued to kiss him over and over and over. The father ran to him. My friend, that's the way God the father is with us. And you know, amazing thing, when the son said, in verse 21, 
And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. You know, the father did not even acknowledge that. Really, when we repent to God, it's more for us than him. Now, religion might have a hard time with that, but I don't care. Because God already knows our beginning and our end. And it says right here, the father didn't even recognize him. He said, hey, you go bring the fatted calf. Get a ring, get my sandals, and get my robe, and put it on my son. He didn't even acknowledge his sin. I mean, here's a guy that wasted everything. He wasted it all. And the father, all he wanted to do was embrace him. That amazes me that God loves us so much, so much. I'm still processing that. I'm still trying to get that, to understand that. And I walk around my place just saying, Father, thank you, you love me. And John 17 says that God loves you and I as much as he loved Jesus. And I will say that, Lord, I thank you. You love me as much as my big brother. You love me as much as Jesus. You love me as much as Jesus. And I'm still trying to process that, to understand how much I'm loved and I'm, how much you're loved. My friend, we are so loved. We can rest. We can rest that we're in the hands of the Savior. We can rest. But then there's the other brother, the other brother, the religious brother. He's out in the field. He's working all the time. He's laboring. He's sweating. He's doing the will of the Father. He's never broken one of the Father's commands. He's doing everything that he thinks he should do to be righteous and upright. And the brother hears this big music and the sound over there. And the brother inquired of one of the servants, said, well, what's going on over there? And the servant said, your brother's home. Your brother's home. Your brother was lost, and now he's found. He was dead, and now he's alive. And that didn't sit too well with the other brother. And I'm sure you know the story. He got upset. He said, Father, I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. That's a lie. There's a lie right there. And, I, and, and then you make merry with my friends, verse 30. But as soon as his son and your, yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, and you, you kill the fatted calf for him. So he's seeing all this sacrifice and all that's going on, and the father throwing a feast because the son came back. But then look what the father says to the son. This is amazing right here. This touched my heart so strongly when I read it. When God put this on my heart through the day. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Do you know that all that God has is ours? It's ours. Just a few chapters over, Jesus said that when we're faithful and wise, God's going to give us the kingdom, his kingdom to rule. My friend, we have everything we need already in here. We have everything we need. He's already done it. We can rest in him and call upon him, trust him 
receiving him, taking him, knowing, Lord, you have everything. You've given me everything. You've already given it to me. And I'm going to see in the eye of faith the future that I believe you have for me. By the eye of faith, I'm going to believe what the desire you put in my heart. Because, God, you've already given me your peace, your joy, your love, your strength, your power. And, God, you're going to bless me with every spiritual and physical blessing that I'm destined for. And that, my friend, my brother, my sister, has to be our heart. We have to take heart. When we find ourselves in a challenging time, we have to take heart. And say, you know what? I've got a great destiny in front of me. I have a great future. Amen? Amen. I have a great future. Do you have a great future? We have a great future, amen? We have a great future, and we have to believe that. And guess what? The world's going to try to throw obstacles and try to cause us to stumble. So what? Paul said, bring it on. Paul really said that. He said, I take pleasure in distresses. I take pleasure in needs. I take pleasure in troubles. I think he's a mature Christian. I think Paul was a mature Christian. I think he grew up in the process from a child to a man of God. And he gave us most of the New Testament. God wants to use you and he wants to use me in the circumstance of life where he's put us. He wants to use us to bring his glory to those that need to see it. And he also wants to grow us up and let us experience the powers of the age to come. Amen? Amen? Did you receive this? Amen. I hope you were blessed today.